Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker, All the Games. This is episode 12. We're coming at you from the northeast of the United States, July 2022. I'm your host, Sean, online as Atomic Squeeze, Nuke Hops, Nuclear Hops, or Homebrew, depending on where you play. We have a fun and informative show for you today where we'll be focusing on short deck hold'em. We'll find out what I'm drinking for this episode, then we'll get the short deck, and you'll get to hear about my recent play since the last episode. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show as much as I enjoy shooting the shit about all things poker and beer. So since poker is a social sport, I'm a brewer, I enjoy beer, this episode I'll be cracking open a beer again. <laughs> so... This one here is Yingling Brewing Company's Lord Chesterfield Ale. Yingling is America's oldest running brewery and is based out of Pottsville, Pennsylvania. And while those who know me well know that I'm not a fan of corn in beer, which Yingling uses, Yingling usually makes a good beer, and Chesterfield Ale doesn't give off those usual corn flavor that the traditional Yingling uh, and many other corn-based beers have. Besides, for this one, their marketing sucked me in with 12 packs and cases of a variety of yingling that you usually don't find, but was offered due to the July 4th holiday. And not a bad value comparing it to the craft beers that I usually purchase on a regular basis. This one is Yingling's Lord Chesterfield Ale, also known as Chetty. Pouring this one from a 12-ounce bottle into a can-shaped glass. Let's have a smell. Hmm, okay. A bit of that lager smell that some folks might mistake for a skunkiness, which can actually happen since Yingling generally uses green bottles, which do not block UV light and can cause skunkiness in hoppier beers. But anyway, a little bit of that lager smell reminiscent of the traditional yingling lager, despite this being listed as an ale. However, once you get past that slight lager aroma, there is a bitter herbal aromatic that is quite nice and definitely sets this one apart from other yingling products. Let's have a look. Ah, a golden color, but not as light and clear or bright as a pilsner. More like a golden-hued version of a pale ale. Now the best part. Let's have a taste. Ah, not bad. Mildly bitter, especially by today's standards of bitterness. Slightly earthy with a light, crisp, dry finish and a slight lingering bitterness. So a little hoppier than some of uh, Yingling's other uh, products. But uh, again, this one, Yingling's Chesterfield Ale, Lord Chesterfield Ale, uh, not one you can find very often. 
And uh, this one comes in at 5.4% and definitely easy to drink. So let's get talking some poker. Remember, our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games or those looking to branch into other variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. Our goal is to bring you the rules, the deal, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Okay, now, I just said our focus here is non-hold'em poker, and you don't think I'm going to contradict myself, right? Today's episode, we're going to be covering short deck, which is a no-limit hold'em variant. So let, let's get started. Why short deck, especially on a podcast about mixed and non-hold'em poker games? Well, while short deck is similar to hold'em, it's different enough to include in our mixed game discussions. All right, let's get to the general play and rules of short deck, but first, let's go over some of the names that this variant can go by. As I mentioned, it can be go it goes generally by just simply short deck. Um, to, for a little more clarification, short deck hold'em it can be called, and it's also called six plus hold'em. And that's because the uh, twos and fives are removed from the deck, as we'll hear when we get to the uh, to the rules here shortly. So, one more thing to go over besides the names of short deck, short deck hold'em, or six plus hold'em. There are two variations. Generally, the normal hold'em rules apply, so just no limit hold'em. Or sometimes there's what's called a fifth street or river card variation, and in that particular version. Fifth Street or the River card is dealt to each player as a third down card. So there would only be four community cards. Your fifth or River card would get dealt down one to each player, face down. And then during the showdown, each player would use exactly two of their three down cards plus three of the four community cards to make the best five card hand. Somewhat similar to a showdown in Omaha. All right. General the general rules in play. So this is a flop game with fixed limit or no limit betting, but is usually played usually played as no limit. In the end, each player will be dealt two down cards, aka the hold hole cards, and use any combination of none, one, or both of those, plus a corresponding number of community cards to make the best five card hand. The normal ranking of poker hands is utilized with the pot going to the player with the highest five card hand. Now that part, just remember, that part is for the sort of normal short deck, not the fifth card var river variation that I discussed uh, just moments ago. Short deck poker is a variation of Texas Hold'em with one very significant difference. It uses a 36 card deck instead of the usual 52 card deck. So the 36 card deck is the standard 52 card deck with the twos, threes, fours, and fives removed, hence the alternate name six plus hold'em. So obviously what remain are the sixes through the aces. Now, some more differences in this game, more than simply just removing the twos through fives. Aces play high as usual, but they can also play low to make a straight. So a straight can be made not only as usual, 10 jack, queen, king, ace, but also using the ace as a low in place of the fives that were removed. So in addition to 10 jack, queen, king, ace, 
for Broadway straight. A straight can also be made with an ace as ace, six, seven, eight, nine. Other than that, the game is played just like Texas Hold'em. So besides using the traditional high rank, high hand ranking, there are also alternate hand rankings that can be used when playing short deck. One is the following, where three of a kind is better than a straight and a flush beats a full house. So using the alternate short deck ranking of worst hand to best hand would be one pair, two pair, a straight, and then three of a kind, a full house, and then a flush, four of a kind, straight flush, royal flush. Now, a lot of times I've seen this played on television. Um, It it doesn't always follow these rules. Sometimes they don't switch uh, one or the other, the straight and three of a kind, Um, for example. But uh, that would be the reason for the hand ranking that I just went over, one pair, two pair, straight, three of a kind, full house, flush, four of a kind, straight flush, and royal flush is that with the 16 cards removed, straights and full houses are easier to make in 6-plus hold'em as compared to 52-card Texas hold'em. And it's vitally important to have this information handy, whether whether the venue is following all of those rules or it just switches one or the other of those rankings. It's important to know the rules of the game, as I always mention on this podcast, before you start playing and it's also important for you as a player to realize that it is easier to make a full house than a flush with um the 16 cards removed so you could have a great advantage advantage knowing the possibility of getting a straight or full house being more common and for more on this um we'll talk about uh the basic strategy at the end so let's get to the specifics of how to deal and play short deck hold'em. A small and big blind are used for the two positions immediately to the left of the dealer button respectively. After the blinds are posted, two cards are dealt to each player face down one at a time, starting with the player to the immediate left of the dealer button, also known as the small blind, and proceeding clockwise around the table. A round of betting occurs where each player, starting with the player to the left of the big blind, known as the the under-the-gun player, takes action as either folding, matching the big blind, or raising to a larger amount. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, a card is burned, and three cards are placed face up in the middle of the table with these three cards known as the flop. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button who is still in the hand and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, another card is burned, and a fourth card, known as fourth street, or the turn, is placed face up, immediate to the to the immediate right of the flop cards. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button, who is still in the hand, and continuing clockwise around the table. Once action is taken by each player at the table still in the hand, Another card is burned, and a fifth card, known as Fifth Street or the River, is placed face up to the immediate right of the Fourth Street card. Another round of betting takes place, beginning with the leftmost player at the table closest to the dealer button, still in the hand, and continuing clockwise around the table. Finally, the showdown, 
where a winner is determined with the best five card high hand being made using any combination of the players whole cards plus the community cards keeping the alternate hand ranking systems that we discussed earlier um, in mind so what i just described was for sort of standard short deck um, play without the fifth card river variation um, if we had the fifth card river variation, all we would do at the end is deal a final fifth card, deal one to each player face down, and then the showdown, they would use two of those three from their hand and three of the four community cards to make the uh, best five card high hand using um, whatever rankings are in play at that venue. <clears throat> all right, let's go over to some beginner's tips for short deck to get you started. There's a little more, since this is a little more goes on in this game and some of the others, um, and people, you know, want to think it's the same as Hold'em. So we're going to get, there's going to be a few more tips than usual um, in this section. Keep in mind, remember, I always say, be sure you know the rules of the game you're playing and the rules that are being enforced at the venue you're playing in. So first and foremost, remember the twos, threes, fours, and fives are removed from the deck in this game so high hands right are going to be more common uh, than we're used to the ace plays high and low as a five in a straight example 10 jack queen king ace for broadway straight in short deck or ace six seven eight nine is also a straight in short deck straights and full houses are easier to make in short deck as compared to no limit hold'em Gut shots are like open-ended straight draws in No Limit Hold'em. It's played using traditional hand rankings or one of the two alternate hand rankings that I went over earlier. So I'll go over them again. There are two hand rankings that I've seen in use, one of them being where it's from low to high hand, one pair, then two pair, then three of a kind, then a straight, followed by a full house, then a flush, four of a kind, straight flush, and a royal flush. So that's where the ranking, really the only thing that's flipped from the traditional rankings that we're used to in that ranking system is that a uh, full house beats a flush. <clears throat> so in the second system, there are two, two things that are flipped. And that is the three of a kind will beat a straight and um, I'm sorry, a straight will beat a three of a kind and a uh, full house will beat a flush. So that ranking would be one pair, then two pair, then a straight, three of a kind, full house, flush, four of a kind, straight flush, and royal flush. Since straights and full houses are easier to make in short deck, if the game is being played using either the traditional hand rankings or the hand ranking where they only switch the full house and the flush, then you have an advantage knowing that a straight is more likely than three of a kind, despite the fact that the game might not be taking that fact into account. Um, all right, some more uh, strategy, basic strategy tips. Jack six starting hand. So if you have a jack and a six, for your uh, starting hand, it's like a deuce seven in Hold'em. Six seven as a starting hand is like starting with deuce three in Hold'em. 
Jack-10 and 10-9 are very powerful starting hands uh, because you can make straights with them. It's easier to make two pair, which means a hand like top pair, top kicker, is not as strong in short deck as it is in regular hold'em. Filling an open-ended straight draw becomes more likely because there are fewer total cards in the deck, which increases the percentage, the percentage of making a straight. It's more than twice as likely to get dealt pocket aces in short deck as compared to regular hold'em. And if you are playing the variation where a third hole card is dealt instead of a fifth community card or that river card, then it is more likely your hand will improve. So quite a bit of, of basic sort of beginner strategy tips, but goes to show you what just removing some cards from a deck, how, how things can change from what, uh, what most of us are used to as far as uh, probabilities and statistics and what hand can beat what and what's more probable uh, than one another. <clears throat> so again, the most important thing, keep, keep the basic rules in mind um, and find out which, uh, which specific hand ranking system is being used um, before you start throwing money away. <clears throat> All right. Let's talk about my recent play since episode 11. So I haven't gotten out to a casino, but I have played in some sort of home game social club settings. Um, started getting together for a home game. And while it's not the home game I prefer, as we're stuck with Hold'em for now, um, but as the saying goes, you have to start somewhere. So at the first few games, uh, there's been uh, four to five players just to kind of kick things off, get it started. We began with a $20 buy-in tournament, paying uh, first and second place um, with five players. After the tournament was over, we went on to a $40 buy-in 1-2 no-limit cash game um, <clears throat> with $20 or $40 top-up if your stack went below a $5. And these are somewhat unorthodox rules, but that's what everybody agreed to up to this point, so that's where we are. Um, and uh, playing in the home game has made me realize that Hold'em will continue to remain popular. The younger generation sees it on TV and streaming online everywhere they look. And the game, let's face it, is, is easy to pick up. Um, it's easy to figure out and learn the general rules and, uh, and the play of the game. And uh, it's a good gateway game to poker, to, to mixed game poker. However, I am hoping to grow... Um, the home game to not only more players, but eventually games besides Hold'em. Until then, I'll continue to take the wins from the home from the home Hold'em game, all the while getting practice in Hold'em, as well as getting practice in shuffling and dealing cards and learning how to run tournaments and, uh, and cash games. Finally, let's talk about some hot news in the poker world recently. So, as you've heard, uh, if you're listening to these podcasts recently, the 2022 World Series of Poker is upon us and ongoing, though it is nearing the end, with the main event currently underway. So there have been allegations of players um, cheating since before the 2022 WSOP began. So those were discussed on this podcast before, so if you want to refresh your memory or catch up a little bit on that, check out Episode 8, where I discuss that, um, and that is Episode 8, the Raz episode where I discuss uh, some of the player uh, cheating allegations. Anyway, the players who are up against the cheating allegations are playing in the main event uh, at the WSOP. And social media is abuzz about newslet, news outlets, poker news in particular, covering these players as they make deep runs in the 2022 WSOP. 
main event. Which, by the way, let me pause for those who are not aware, the WSOP main event is a $10,000 buy-in, no limit hold'em event, which determines the uh, World Series of Poker, the, basically the world champion for the following year. And this year's field was the second largest in World Series of Poker history with a $10 million first prize to be awarded. So back to the social media buzz. There's quite a debate going on about these news outlets, as I mentioned, specifically Poker News, providing chip counts and including the players in news articles who allegedly cheated in tournaments prior um, to the World Series of Poker. So there are some who are vehement, who vehemently feel that the players in question should not receive any airtime. They shouldn't be written about. They shouldn't be talked about or discussed. They shouldn't have their chip counts reported, not written about in any news article, no, no matter how well they may be doing in a given tournament. While I can understand the rationalization for this, the fact of the matter is that said players were permitted to play in the tournament. And if they're doing well, for example, it would be egregious for a news outlet to not include them when reporting on the tournament. So it appears, at least to me, right, the problem is that the players were permitted to play. Why would that be? Partly because some have not, they haven't actually been convicted in the criminal sense of the word, nor banned from other tournament spaces. Although, to be fair, some uh, some of them have received bans from certain online poker sites in the past, as well as recently some live tournaments um, outside of the United States. But the fact of the matter remains, there is not yet a uniform code of conduct enforced uniformly among all poker players. In fact, we've seen, for example, Phil Hellmuth, one of the top poker players in the world, get away with saying things and acting in ways that most of us would be thrown out of a tournament, probably thrown out of a casino and uh, banned from future play. Until the poker community comes together, and really it's the venues that host poker, including casinos, whom, mind you, right, have come together in the past to form blacklists of players that win too much money. Think blackjack. Even though what card counters do is not against the law, casinos place those players on a blacklist and they are unable to even enter a casino. So until the poker community comes together, and as I mentioned, it's really the venues, the brick-and-mortar casinos and the online um, poker sites, Long until everybody comes together with a set of rules and regulations that players must abide by and the penalties that will be uniformly enforced if they are broken, there will be players who are alleged to have cheated and still have the ability to play. Keep in mind, none of the named players has been charged with a crime rela related to poker or card playing, at least as far as I know. There are allegations, but no evidence that has been tried in a court or even a court-like trial. To date, this is simply the court of public opinion. Now, make no mistake, I am not endorsing cheating, nor am I stating that these individuals did not cheat, as from what I've seen, their play is in question at some times over the years, and they have been banned from some specific online poker sites. But much of the cheating is alleged and not confirmed. So all I'm saying here is these individuals were permitted to play poker, and if they're doing well, it behooves a news outlet to cover their play in said tournament, just as they would any other player. Especially given the fact that the news outlet 
mostly in question, Poker News, has also covered those cheating allegations. They have given airtime. They have talked about the cheating, um, and they they do mention it sometimes um, in some of these uh, articles since then. More importantly, it appears that poker may eventually end up with some sort of rules and regulations regarding cheating, along with possible enforcement associated. So we have to, you know, realize there's a lot that happens in this world that a lot of people may not agree with. With 8 billion plus people on earth, there's going to be a lot of opinions, a lot of rulings that don't sit right with a whole lot of folks. I do agree that it is time the poker community steps up with a set of rules and regulations along with associated penalties um, for each violation. And this, to me, is the primary problem. Then we can get past the secondary issue of whether or not a news outlet should report on a player in a tournament, right? If there's a penalty, if there's something they committed and they're not allowed to play in the tournament, we don't even have to worry about this secondary issue that's um, taken social media a buzz and by storm um, that a news outlet shouldn't, should or should not be reporting on them, right? It's akin to actually replacing a faulty window instead of simply stuffing a rag along the window sill and complaining that cold air is still blowing in. Finally, if you want to learn more about Short Deck or Six Plus Hold'em or any of the mixed games, please head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive intro introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games. So, so you don't have to keep rewinding this podcast um, to try to follow the rules. It's there in the book, um, which can be found on Amazon, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. You can just, they'll be there written in front of you. And the book, it also helps. There's a lot of naming, as you see, he, as you hear um, on these podcasts. I go through naming conventions. There's several names that each of these games go by. So it'll help you keep straight. And there's actually confusion um, among a lot of players as to some of these names of the games and what the actual rules are um, because of uh, varying names between the games. If you want to keep it straight, if you want to have a handwritten copy, um, or even an e-copy, you can actually get a, a, a printed copy of my book or a, a Kindle-type version, uh, electronic version of the book. Um, you can have a, a written copy to be able to refer to um, for all the, to keep all the names of the game straight and to, uh, to uh, keep in mind all the rules and uh, sort out any, uh, any confusion that you might com come upon and keep yourself straight. Well, that's all for Episode 12, Short Deck. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R All the Games. Subscribe for free at pokerchannel.substack.com. And join us again in two weeks for episode 13, where we are going to discuss Badoogie. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games, so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm -hmm.